0: Now, Pastor Eric asked me to preach, but he didn't say how long I had to preach. Okay? And uh, I kind of have one motto when I talk, and that's that the mind can only absorb as much as the butt can endure. Okay? <laughs> now, I know you're on padded seats, so we can maybe go for a little while here this morning. But uh, hopefully we'll uh, spend some time together laughing and, uh, and learning as we look into God's Word together. Uh, in his sermon on, on December seventh, Pastor Eric talked about tracking with God. And that kind of uh, resonated with me. And he was uh, preaching on on the book of Psalms, uh, as he normally does during that time. And so um, I started thinking, you know, how exactly can we track with God as we uh, start here into 2015? And, of course, uh, as we look into God's Word, if you look at Psalms 119, and that's where we're going to go today, uh, Psalms 119, 9 through 16, uh, there's some very helpful suggestions there this morning. As we, uh, as we look at that together, but this time of the year, it seems like everybody is starting to think about the New Year resolutions, uh, and I don't know if you're one of those people that make a New Year resolution every year, uh, but I did uh, find some New Year resolutions that I'd like to share with you, uh, and uh, these are just uh, basically off, of, off the Internet, and uh, this first one, whoops. Okay, this is just a New Year resolution, you find uh, two dogs sitting here talking to What exactly is a New Year resolution? Well, it's just a to-do list for that first week of January. (laughs) Isn't that true? seems like we we go into the New Year all uh, gung-ho, and it lasts for about a week. Uh, This next one is the husband's resolution, okay? And he's saying to his wife, Now, my New Year's resolution is to stop telling you what to do all the time. So here, I wrote them down for your resolutions for you, Okay. (laughs) Maybe that uh, brings a bell with you at home. Uh, This next one is the unrealistic resolution. And in the first slide it says, so, New Year's resolutions, you go first. And the other person's saying, I've resolved to stop being judgmental of others. And the other person says, I've resolved to start using herbal remedies instead of going to the doctor. And the other one says, I just broke my resolution. (laughs) 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 So we can't have unrealistic resolutions. And this last one, if I can get it to go. Go ahead, Tom, just advance there. Okay, now this is my end resolution. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to go on a diet and stick to it. Is that Kate? (laughs) Uh, And that's been my New Year's resolution for many years uh, that that I end the year weighing less than I start the year. Okay? Now, if I were successful with that resolution every single year, pretty soon I would waste away, would I not? So it's good that I don't fulfill that resolution every year, because then I'm, I'm still here, right? But I, I'm happy to announce that this was the first year that I actually succeeded in meeting that resolution. <laughs> so, um, but if I was asked what would be my spiritual resolution uh, as we head into 2015, I would respond with my need to spend more time in his word. And, uh, you know, this talk basically is, is really for me, and you get to enjoy uh, hearing me uh, thinking out loud here this morning as I talk to myself. So why is God's uh, word so important? And that's kind of a rhetorical question. Um, but uh, here's what some of our uh, former presidents have said uh, about the Bible. And this is George Washington. He said, Isn't "It is impossible. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible." Abraham Lincoln said, I am busily engaged in the study of the Bible. I believe it is God's word because it finds me where I am. I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good of the Savior of the world is communicated to us through the book. And uh, Woodrow Wilson said this, When you have read the Bible, you know it is the word of God because it is the key to your heart, your own happiness, and your own duty. And Theodore Roosevelt said, A thorough understanding of the Bible is better than a college education. And then, of course, Ronald Reagan, uh, our 40th president of the United States, said, Of the many influences that have shaped the United States into a distinctive nation and people, none none may be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. And then I love... uh, Mark Twain. No, he wasn't a president. Um, but I love his quote. It ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. <laughs> Isn't that good? You're probably all familiar with that with that saying. But um, uh, the Bible is so important that we keep that in front of us and that we're reading it every day. Now, uh, I want to, uh, to read today's text. And... Um, have you uh, heard about the uh, "Stay Calm" campaign? If you go to the next, this is my favorite one. Uh, keep calm and read psalms. Okay, <laughs> and you know I don't know where. The, uh, well, I do know where the state the "Keep Calm" came from. Uh, apparently, it was something that was conjured up in World War II uh, to help people stay calm uh, while that war was going on. But it has uh, come back. I. At work, I went in to uh, use the bathroom uh, a few weeks ago, and there on the counter was a, a little sign that said, "Keep calm, wash your hands." Okay? Like, Whoa, well, what's up there? And then the grandkids were over last night, and one of them had a wristband that had "Keep calm" on it. So it's uh, apparently is trying to revive itself, but perhaps you'll see it as you uh, as you venture out here in 2015. But if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, turn with me, and Tom, you can put up the next slide. I've got it up here on the, on the screen as well. Uh, Psalms 119, verses 9 through 16. It says, "How can a man keep, or how can a young man, excuse me, keep his way pure by living according to Your word? I seek You with all my heart. Do not let me stray from Your commands. I have hidden Your word in my heart that I might not sin against You. Praise be to You, O Lord. Teach me Your decrees." With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes, as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, I call this uh, passage uh, the word sandwich. As you notice, it starts with uh, your word, and it ends with your word. And that's what we want to focus on this morning, is his word. Now, notice some of the highlighted words there. um, Seek, rejoice, meditate, delight. If you only do those four things over and over every day in your life, what is it that you're doing? You're worshiping, are you not? Okay. So if you don't take anything else away from my sermon this morning... Uh, Remember those four words. And we're going to uh, take a deeper dive into each one of those phrases this morning. Uh, And uh, so let's do that, okay? I'm going to put my Bible down here. All right, so verse 9. If you take a look, how can a young man keep his way pure? And I'd kind of like to know what's what this young man... I think... All of us would agree that young or old, it is difficult to keep your way pure. And is David reflecting on himself with this statement, meaning that uh, is he asking this from a perspective of being young? And as I was studying the scripture um, and looking at different commentaries, uh, theologians, they argue both ways on this, but I, I tend to lean towards David being older and looking back, and based on his life experiences, he's asking a very pertinent question. And it follows up with some very wise advice. Do uh, you want to go to the next slide? Now, in 2004, Barna did a study. And why David was focusing on, on the young here, if you look at this, uh, the statistics, 43% of the people accept, that are Christians accepted Christ at an age less than 13. 64% at an age less than 18 years old. And then look how dramatically it falls off after we hit the age of 18. 18 to 21, 13%. Greater than 21, 23%. So I think David is, is, is picking up on the fact that young men, young women, we need to reach them when they are young. okay? Because look at the, what the statistics show as being able to, to uh, uh, impact them for the cause of Christ and to convince them that the only way to live life is with Christ. And we need to do that before they turn 18. So I'm very really happy about what we do here at Cornerstone in, in uh, teaching our young through Sunday school and through other means. Do you want to go to the next slide? Uh, verse 10, okay. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Now, Ben, is, this a, uh, is seek a verb or a noun? Okay, good. You can graduate. All right. Um, it is a verb. By the way, Ben got a 33 on his ACT. okay. Amazing, alright? So, congratulations to him on that. And that's why I asked him, because I knew he would have the right (laughs) answer. Uh, It's a verb, of course, and it requires action. So the first part of this verse is actionable. We need to do something, as is the case with our faith. And faith without works is what? It's dead, yeah. James 2.26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So seeking Him with all of our heart, it has to be a priority. Okay, it has to be with all our heart. All right, you know, take that to heart, so to speak. The second half of this verse is a request, or perhaps even a prayer: "Do not let me stray from Your commands." And David had this request throughout the Psalms. If you go back, you know, I'll just read three of his uh, his verses where he uh, he asked the Lord to do something here Psalm 16.1 keep me safe my God for in you I take refuge Psalm 17.8 keep me as the apple of your eye hide me in the shadow of your wings Psalms 119.29 keep me from deceitful ways be gracious to me and teach me your laws and again I I could come up with a, a lot more of them but see David wasn't afraid to ask he wasn't afraid to ask God to keep him And if you think of that great hymn, Come Thou Fount, uh, the author knew of our sinful ways, our sinful nature. And uh, I think it's in the chorus, I believe, but it says, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. So you see, God has the power to keep us close to him. But it's so important that we ask. And we have to ask daily. And... It just just be one of those routine things that we do as we spend time in our quiet time, in our devotions, in our time of prayer. Just, God, keep me. Keep me in your commands. So, are you with me on that? Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's move on. Um, the next slide, if you would. Uh, this is verse uh, verses 11 through 13. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Now, I want to focus on uh, verse 11. And uh, this was one of the first verses I memorized as a kid. Okay, And I memorized it in the King James Version, which was, uh, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And if you have the New American Standard, uh, it might read that, uh, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, that word treasure... If you look at the Hebrew word, it's, if I'm pronouncing this right, uh, tesafan, okay? And it means to hide or to store up. And so thy word have I hid, that word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against see? So why is this so important? Why is it so important that we need to have God's word hidden in our heart? Why do we need to have it treasured in our heart? And I think we need to step back and maybe ask a, a fundamental question of why were we created why are we here? You know, what is our purpose? And if you turn to uh, Isaiah 43, uh, verses 6 and 7, I want to read from the uh, second half of verse 6. And it says, uh, "...bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made." Again, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory... Whom I formed and made. So you see, we were created to bring God glory, were we not? And there's always two ways of looking at something. know, yeah, there's the positive perspective, and then there's the negative perspective. And you could be one of those people that sees the glass the glass as being half full, or you can be one of those people that sees the glass as being half empty. You can look outside and you can say, "Hey, it's partly sunny," or you can look outside and say, "Ah, oh, it's partly cloudy." Okay, and. Uh, Piper, John Piper said there's two ways to state the ultimate goal of life, one positively and one negatively. Positively, we could say the ultimate goal of life is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Or negatively, we could say the ultimate goal of life is not to sin. They both mean the same thing because sinning is falling short of glorifying God by embracing other things as more enjoyable. So if we can learn how to glorify God by enjoying him we would know how not to sin. And if we could learn how not to sin, we would know how to glorify God by enjoying Him. So in short, I think what Piper was trying to say is the way to bring glory to God, which again is our our purpose for being here, is to treasure God's Word in our heart, or in our hearts. That His Word is hidden there and stored up there as something very valuable as a treasure would be. And it's not just one thing, but it's really two things that keep us from sinning and moving us to glorify God and enjoying God with our actions. And it's just not having the word stored, nor is it just valuing the word, but it really both. Both are very crucial. We value the word, and therefore we have it stored in our hearts, and, and the two together give us that power to stand against the temptations to sin. So it's both of those together that form that bond in our hearts to help us keep, to keep, from, keep from sinning against him. And I hope that makes sense to you. I don't know how better of a way to say that, but it's really both of those things. We've got to treasure it, and we've got to hide it, we've got to memorize it, we've got to know it. All right, verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Now, let's be honest. uh, We probably don't always equate rejoicing with keeping God's statutes, right? Because it is hard work. And uh, it is something that we have to work at every day, and to be conscious of every day. Um, There's three things that I think that help, though, to allow us to rejoice uh, in his statutes. If you go to the next slide, Tom. Okay, I've got a picture of an umbrella here. And the first one is to picture God's statutes as an umbrella. And as long as we stay underneath that umbrella, we stay dry, we stay warm, and we can easily find happiness uh, in being dry and warm. Okay? But what happens when we step out from underneath it? Well, we get wet, and we get cold, and we become miserable. And we start trying to live this Christian life under our own power, okay, and not by God's commands. And so that is one thing, is to, is to, to rejoice, because his commands aren't a bunch of do's and don'ts. They're not there to be burdensome on us. okay. They're there because he created us, and uh, he knows what we need and so keeping underneath that umbrella is very important. The second is is to look at His commands as to why we follow them, and this again is to bring glory to God, as we saw in uh, Isaiah 43. It's much easier to rejoice in God's glory and His commands if we have that perspective as we try to follow His commands. And then finally, uh, following God's statutes, His commands, it reminds us of our need for grace. Um, We can never follow His commands perfectly, you know, as I mentioned a little bit, little bit ago, and in Romans we see we all fall short of the glory of God, and therefore it reminds me that when I fail, I need to uh, to lean on God's promise of forgiveness, and if I ask, and I, it reminds me of my need for a Savior, and I can rejoice easily in forgiveness and for the fact that there is a Savior uh, that saves us. All right go to the next slide. Meditate on his word. I don't know how they got a dog to sit like this, uh, but uh, so to meditate. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. All right, so to meditate, is that something that what you see kind of this dog doing where we try to hum and sing chants and try to clear our minds completely? Uh, I I would actually say that the Biblical meditation is just the exact opposite of that because if we clear our minds, what does it allow Satan to do? To fill our minds, right? Uh, To fill our minds with things that we shouldn't be thinking of. So we really need to fill our minds with the words of God. Now, Webster would say that meditation is a combination of uh, reviewing, repeating, reflecting, thinking, analyzing, feeling, and even enjoying it is a physical, intellectual, and emotional activity. It involves the whole being. All right? And from, from my studies, I guess I would add one more thing to that. It involves words. All right? It involves words of adoration uh, back to God. Now, if you take a look at the word meditation, um, it is mainly used or mainly referenced in the book of Psalms. Okay? And as you look at uh, the Psalms, and you look at uh, David and, and the other psalms who wrote it, uh, you'll notice some, some words that are repeated many times. Okay? Now, if you take a look at the, the phrase, O Lord, uh, that's repeated about 190 times. O God is in there about 100 times. Praise the Lord, or hallelujah, is in there 31 times. Bless the Lord is in there 15 times. So the words uh, mouth, voice, tongue are used in the Psalms 135 times collectively so that you, know, you can see the interaction with God it's, just, it's not a silent matter all right? and it's one filled with sound and hopefully that sound is you and me praising him for what he has done in our lives praising him for his word and uh, if you look at verse 12 again praise be to you uh, that's what it says there and that's what we want to do and if you jump over to the, uh, the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua 1a, a very familiar verse. Uh, many of you have probably me- uh, memorized this verse as well. But let me read it. It says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on a day at night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So here again, we see the, the word meditate being used with the word mouth and perhaps more importantly we've seen meditate being used with action be careful to do alright be careful to do all that is according to what is written in it and then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success and every time I read that verse Joshua 1.8 I ask myself do I really believe that? do I really live my life like I believe that? And it's a a challenging question, is it not? Um, To to, to take this verse and take it for its context and to live according to all that is written so then you will have your way prosperous and then you will have success. And it might not be success as the world defines success, uh, but I think it is success in bringing God glory. And again, that is why we are here. All right, let's jump to uh, verse 16. Uh, do you want to go to the next slide? All right. I think this picture pretty much says everything <laughs> that I want to say about this verse. All right. Um, but maybe we can uh, look at some questions together to get, uh, to get you thinking. So let me ask this first question. Do you get excited when you see your Bible? Do you look forward to reading it? Uh, there was uh, last week, I think, uh, and he's not here this morning, but Little Levi uh, he was just really distraught because he couldn't find his Bible. And he really wanted his Bible. And uh, we were, I, I wasn't actually, but uh, I can't remember who was trying to comfort him with, well, you know, you're going to do your Sunday school program today. It's a Christmas program today, so you don't have to have your Bible today. But he, he really wanted that Bible. All right. And so it's a, it's a good illustration, a good lesson for us to learn to want your Bible, to, uh, to want it, to uh, dig into it and to read it. Another question, do you drop it when you get home from church and it doesn't move until next Sunday? I have to admit, I've had some weeks like that. Uh, but we don't want to do that every week, obviously. Okay? And does your Bible look used? Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Okay? And if you look at my Bible, <laughs> it's... a uh, it's pretty much falling apart um, I got this Bible in 1991 so I've had it for 23 years my grandkids got to it okay and you know how little kids anything that has a little tear in it they like to tear it further right so they kind of kind of got to it a little bit but I'm going to continue to use it duct tape will do a wonderful job someday on this and it'll get, a, get me through another 23 years um, so another question do you read your Bible or do you read books about the Bible alright um you know, and I, I don't want to come down hard on reading books about the Bible. Those are, those are good. But you don't want to have that be entirely your devotions. Okay? Um, I think we need to pick up the book and we need to actually read it. Um, so don't let reading Christian books replace reading the Bible. Okay? That's the point there. And then finally, does your Bible go with you? Do you take it with you when you go on vacation? Do you take it with you when you come to church? Um, I hope you do. Uh, if my dad were here this morning, I would have him pull out his little uh, Gideon Bible. I'm sure he would have it with him. Uh, he takes that wherever he goes. And you know, I'm I'm all about uh, embracing technology. Okay, but uh, my brother goes to a church where they uh, they have the sermon. They have the sermon notes on an app. So all you have to bring to church with you is your is your phone. And uh, you know, again, it's hard to say—is that good? Is that bad? I don't really know. But uh, our phones can't replace her. So, yeah, our phones can't replace our Bibles. So, uh, keep your Bible with you wherever you go. Okay. Hey, thank you. <laughs> the good wife. Okay. <laughs> All right, just uh, some conclusions here and some applications. Uh, These words like commandments, decrees, ordinances, statutes, precepts, um, all of these that we've been reading, like I said before, they're not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Um, They reveal God's nature to us and they reveal who he really is. If you want to get to know God, get to know his word. Um, And they are guidelines uh, to help us not sin and bring glory to God. James Merritt, who um, I believe is the president of uh, the Southern Baptist uh, congregation, Uh, he said the primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. And so there's really a difference there, right? I mean, you can know the Bible inside and out, but if you're not applying what the Bible says, does Satan really care? Uh, I don't think so. All right? And you remember that song from a long time ago, Fat Babies? All right, yeah? We don't want to be fat babies. We want to be... Exercising the word, we want to take it in, but we want to give it out too. Okay, and just as a muscle needs to be exercised, so does our faith, and uh, we do that by reading His word and then doing it. James one twenty two says, "But prove yourselves doers of the, world, uh, of the word, excuse me, and not merely hearers who delude themselves." Okay, and if you want to throw up that next slide, uh, this is a quote from uh, Mahatma Gandhi. He says, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all your civilizations to pieces, turn the world upside down, and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. And may that not be said about Cornerstone. May we not treat it as a, a piece of literature, but it's something that we cling to, something that we live by every day. So to seek, to hide, to treasure, to rejoice, to meditate, to delight in God's word it needs to effectuate change in our lives lives that can impact those around us with the good news of Jesus Christ and uh, this next uh, slide is a great illustration of uh, just allowing God's words to uh, wrap their arms around you and uh, to embrace those words back and to cling to them because uh, they really are very precious and they reveal who God is and how he wants us to live our lives so if you go to the next slide, uh, just in conclusion here, Psalms 119, 105, says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And as uh, we conclude this morning, I hope that uh, you have that verse memorized, okay, uh, that you repeat that often, uh, that you know why his word is here. It's to, uh, to light our path, to show us the way, And if we look at his word, we know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the light. And I know when it comes to the Father, uh, but through him. And so today, be thankful for his word. Uh, Utilize his word. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And apply it. As we head into 2015. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us in your word and Father that we can know who you are by reading your word thank you that uh, you love us thank you that you care for us uh, so much that you gave your one and only son to die for us and that he has risen again that he is living with you that he is interceding with us on a daily basis thank you for that Father and as we head into 2015 I pray that uh, we would be diligent to continue to look into your word on a daily basis, to pick our Bibles up, to open them up, to study them, and to highlight them if that's what uh, you like to do. And Father, to to memorize it and to live by it. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to uh, come up again and uh, we're actually going to